it's great being with you all. Uh, just so love just connecting in. We've been able to do it for a, a few weeks now, and it's just great just to uh, connect, to see what God's doing, even with the restrictions of meeting like this, just to sense God's presence with you. You know, I know Cheryl and I often, after being with you, we sort of say, yeah, God's, God's with you guys. And, and it's great just to, just to be with you uh, and sharing that. Uh, we're going to con continue in your uh, Alive series from Ephesians. And uh, I want to read from Ephesians 4 and verse 7 to 16. Okay, and uh, it'll be a familiar section by now. It's been read through a few times, but it's always good hearing again uh, the context, particularly what I'll be zooming in on. Okay, verse seven. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says that when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? And he who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, um, a phenomenal uh, section of, of this chapter. And, and this is such a, a critical chapter. Um, it's the one that, that Josh introduced a few weeks ago now about applying the truths of God's lavish grace to how we live. Paul encourages us how to live out the realities that we're now in Christ and we're to live out a Christ-like life, that we're to walk in, way, in his ways. And it, it, it's, it, this is such a powerful chapter. There was a time in my life when I was uh, kind of, when I was young once, that, um, uh, and just in church leadership, that I, it was almost my go-to chapter. And uh, in fact, I went to it so many times that actual pages came out of my Bible and it became the loose leaf chapter in my Bible. And I'm not saying we should prefer one chapter over another, but it's certainly a critical one because it gives vital insight into church, God's design and God's purpose for church, his body. It, it actually challenges the, the wrong views of church where, you know, we think of church like, oh, we go to church or it's about hearing a good sermon or it's about just being helped spiritually and having a few people working hard to basically help improve our spiritual life. 
Okay, that's not the sort of church Ephesians 4 talks about. It, it also challenges almost everything about our Western way of life and culture. It challenges individualism. It, it challenges consumerism. It challenges the agenda of self and celebrity. And those cultural norms are so strong in our societies, uh, but they shape our view of church. And actually, biblical church is the opposite of these things. It's about community. It's about serving. It's about self-denial. It's about our true identity is found in being part of something bigger than ourselves. This is a real critical challenge. Okay, and, and Josh, I think, has done so well in highlighting three big key foundational truths of unity, diversity, and maturity. And uh, as kind of summing up and giving us a, the, 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 some big hooks to, to hang on the understanding of, of what we're reading. What I want to do is focus in on verse 11 and where we read that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers uh, to equip the church for the work of ministry. We're going to look at gifts for purpose. These gifts are relevant for today. But, but first, okay, just quickly, but first, we can't look at the gifts without looking at the giver. And whenever Paul encourages us to do something, he always roots it in revelation of Christ. And here, chapter four, he's urging us to live our lives worthy of the calling. But he quickly lifts our eyes to Christ. And he says this, that he is the ascended one. And actually the one who is ascended far above all the heavens, that actually also descended. Christianity isn't about a, a list of how-tos. It's about who Christ is and how we live in the light of that. And Paul so anchors us in this. The ascended one is the one who descended. He, he, he lived on this earth. He, he was born on this earth. There was a place you can identify where he was born on this earth. He had a body that knew the limitations of this earth. He suffered the cruelest death, the most excruciating death that this earth could ever see. He rose to life on this earth. He walked with his resurrection body on this earth. He descended to this earthly, to this earthly realm, but is now ascended far, far above everything. You know, use your imagination to go to the extremes. He is exalted far above all extremes that he might fill all things in all ways. We need this huge view of Christ. He's the exalted one, but also this very personal view of Christ that he might fill, that we might know him. The spirit of Christ living in us. Wow. 
So Paul reminds us of the giver and then he focuses on these gifts. And I think to be honest, I think these gifts, it could be a mini series within the series, but what I'm gonna try and do is just focus quickly on each of them by focusing on one thing and applying it to our lives. He gave these gifts, he gave apostles. Apostles are for today. And I believe this is a real go-to passage for that truth, that there were the original 12 apostles that we read about in the gospels. And we know one betrayed Judas, and then he got replaced as it were by another, we read that in the Acts, but they were unique to the foundations of the early church and, and, and the new covenant people of God. But this scripture talks about the ascended Christ, not Jesus incarnate, but the ascended Christ, giving apostles to the church until we all reach unity of the faith and, and full maturity. And so it's the ascended Christ who now gives apostles. And we're certainly not there yet, are we, in terms of maturity and the unity of faith. So apostles are for today. But what do they do? Well, such a key thing is foundations. And you see that in the story of Acts, you see uh, Paul, other apostles, they go in, they preach the gospel, they open up the ground and they lay foundations. Actually, as people get saved, that's the foundation of local churches. Churches get planted. And then as churches grow, Paul writes the letter and uh, writes the churches. And that's what you know, you're studying at the moment. Paul writes to the churches and he reminds them of their foundations in Christ. That's what's happening to you as you study this book of Ephesians. You're being reminded, you're not just listening to a, a sermon series. You're being refreshed and reminded in these apostolic foundations. It's about foundations reminding who we are in Christ. What does this mean for us? Well, it means this, that we're to be rooted and established in truth. We're to know what we're building on. The apostles today, they don't add to the truth. Beware if they do. Okay. They remind us of truth, of what's already been revealed. So we're not tossed here and there, but we can be secure and grow up into Christ. That's what the world is desperate. It doesn't know it, but it's desperate to see. A church that's not trendy, but a church that's secure, who knows who it is in Christ. And out of that security, we can give that hope to other people. That is being an apostolic people. You see, it's not about the big apostle, the platform or the celebrity. It's about serving the local church, that we are apostolic. And we know that we are part of a bigger story. It's the gospel story, the kingdom story, there in Gothenburg. God calls you to be an apostolic people. Prophets, what about them? Well, the word there I'm going to focus on is encouragement. We need to get rid of this kind of strange view we can have about the prophet. It's not a wild-eyed, supercharged, spiritual, elite 
person who rides into town just kind of firing off the latest prophecy for today. Beware, sometimes you can access those online, okay? It's not helpful. The New Testament gift of prophecy, you can read about it in 1 Corinthians 14, is all about strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. It's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. What do New Testament prophets bring? They bring encouragement to the local church to live out their calling in Christ. What does that mean for us? Well, let's stir that gift for us. Let's, actually, Paul says, I, 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 I want all of you to prophesy. And we've had prophetic contribution this morning. It's been so helpful, you know, just kind of focusing us, isn't it, on the presence of Christ in our meeting. We did eagerly desire it, but there'll be those who lives are characterized by a more prophetic gift. I think they are the prophets. Well, let's hear, how does it impact us? Well, let's be shaped by prophetic encouragement. It's not just a, a meeting filler, but it's to affect our lives. Verity brought that, it's such a simple, but a profound word about you know, sank in the shadows, sun in the brightness. Let's focus on the Lord. Then that went into that psalm. We can feed off that prophetic encouragement this week. It's not just been thumbs up, Verity, that helped the meeting move on a bit. No, we can be shaped by prophetic encouragement. But actually, and think about this. Okay, again, it's not about the celebrity prophet prophet or the or the platform it's about being equipped to be a prophetic people think of where you're going to be this time tomorrow just think where you're going to be and just imagine being a prophetic encouragement to whoever you're with doesn't mean getting on a box in the corner of the office and saying thus says the lord no it's coming alongside, it's encouraging. Evangelists, okay. What's the one word to focus on there? Salvation, okay, that's what evangelists do. They preach the gospel and people get saved. They tell people about the good news about Jesus and, and people come alive in Christ. And we need the provocation of the evangelist to remind us, oh yeah, that's what it's all about. I, I've been a church leader for many years now, and I know what it is to be, get be swamped by, oh, there's this happening, there's that problem, that concern, that burden. We can live our lives like that. It's not just a church leadership thing. We can get, our lives can get swamped by so many things. We need to be reminded about the most important thing. The good news of Jesus. He saves people for eternity this earth is just passing eternity is what matters the evangelist reminds us of that but it's not again we look to the great evangelist doing it all equips the church that we are a people who know how to share the good news how to give an answer to the hope that is within us that our lives, uh, we see that God strategically pays each one of you all over Gothenburg, wherever you are, wherever your workplace is, wherever your neighbourhood is, he's placed you to be a messenger of good news. 
we're to be an evangelistic people. And then just this last pastors or shepherds and teachers, grouping them together, because often as yes, you read this um, section, it, it, these words are often put together, pastors and teachers, they reveal God's shepherd hearts. Now, the danger with this one, we can think pastors, okay, shepherds, well, we know what they do. You know, they are, um, they're the one who works for the church, they're the minister, they're the one who does the work, they're the one we go to with all our problems, they're the one who cares for me and my needs. The pastor is my personal priest. That can be quite a traditional view, pastor. I think we need to blow that one out of the water. I don't believe that that's biblical in a New Testament way. I think we need to see that the gift as actually is helping people grow in God's ways of faith. It's helping, other, it, it, it's helping others to follow the good shepherd. That's why I think teaching is so close to past, the pastoral gift because it's helping others feed on the truths that are in Christ. And that's how we grow. You know, as sheep of the Lord as well, as his flock, we're to graze on his truth. It's about reaching out to the lost, the hurting, the struggling, the downcast. Again, it's not about the pastor or even the pastors or the teachers. It's about being a pastoral people who catch God's heart, who know the truth and where God has strategically placed you. And I, I'd love to kind of almost like look at each one of you in a different ways. God strategically placed you to express his shepherd heart to those you live with and those you work with. These are gifts for purpose, to equip the local church. And we need this diversity of gifts. Come back to the beginning now. We need this diversity of gifts. You know, these gifts aren't in competition with each other. Yeah, sometimes, sadly, I've kind of seen that. And you think, oh, well, you need the pastor to tame down the prophet or, you know, and it, or the evangelist gets frustrated with the other gifts. No, no. It, 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 it's not in competition. Neither is it balancing everyone out so you all get a balance, nothing. Rather, it's these gifts harnessed together. I think there's this wonderful picture of a chariot being pulled by these four horses. Now, I'm not saying there's any significance to the four horses, okay? But all I'm saying is I love the image of these horses running at full stretch together. Go see that. Go calls us as churches, local churches, to run in our gifts a full stretch together, harnessed together in unity. That's the diversity. That's the unity. And it's there that together we can fulfill the purposes of God. This is the chapter it so immerses us in our togetherness that's how we live out this calling it's what Paul urges us to I want to encourage you in that 
in all God's called you to in Gothenburg. Just that God has a big calling on you to be an apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoring community grounded in truth. Amen. Amen. I'd love to just pray for you and then I'm going to hand over to Alid. Okay. Father, we just thank you so much for your incredible grace. Thank you. You are the one exalted, ascended far above anything we can imagine. And yet you come and fill us. You fill us with your spirit. Do that right now, Lord. Come and fill us, even now. Just fill us powerfully with your spirit. And Lord, let us be equipped to be all that you call us to be. I pray that for this great church here in Gothenburg. I pray, equip this church for the purposes to which you've called it. In Jesus' name. Amen.